Hello, and welcome to episode 183 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we have an interview with Drew Leiner, creator of Caspian Porter, now on Kickstarter. This is Matt, and I'm joined by Constructing Comics co-host Noah. Hey there. Drew, thanks so much for coming back on the podcast. Uh, How about if you start us off with a quick bio about yourself and maybe an elevator pitch for this awesome book that's currently on Kickstarter? Yeah, sure. Thanks, guys. Uh, yeah, first off, thanks for having me on again. I uh, I really appreciate coming back. It's, it's a lot of fun here. Um, uh, so a little bit about me. I've uh, been publishing under Snowy Works since uh, roughly 2017. Um, primarily, I've been publishing sci-fi anthology called uh, Future Sci-Fi Tales. Uh, this kind of allowed me to get my feet wet with comics as well as kind of get my footing in with publishing other submissions and uh Kind of from there, it snowballed into, uh, you know, one shot books, uh, you know, a few of them that I've written uh, myself and published other people's works. And then now, finally, this year, I'm releasing my first ongoing series, uh, which is what we're here to talk about, Caspian Porter. Um, So Caspian Porter, uh, the elevator pitch, uh, basically, he, you know, he's a, uh, it's about a man and his robot, you know, set in the future and their constant struggle with uh, uh, Caspian's bad luck. Um, So he's, he's very much, you know, an ordinary guy kind of thrown into these intense situations, you know, especially throughout this first issue uh, where, where the characters faced with one bad situation uh, after another um, so he's you know in my mind he's kind of a, a bumbling idiot mixed with that Han Solo type of type of guy that sounds awesome is this going to be an ongoing series or is this sort of like a one-off like you did with um de-aged no this this is gonna be an ongoing I, I've got it you know planned out at least through the fourth or fifth issue um, for this first story arc that's awesome. Nice. So are you kind of thinking of uh, sort of almost like that, uh, like that Hellboy model where it's, you know, four issues sort of make up a story and a trade and then you're, and then you're going to come back and, and, and continue the story? Uh, how are, how are you handling that? Yeah, I, I kind of have this, this first, either the third or fourth issue. Yeah, you're, you're right. It's going to be that first story arc and then yeah i'm gonna do like a first volume set before going into the next story arc so yeah awesome so this is uh is this a zero issue and a one um on the kickstarter or is this just a one it, yeah it's a zero and a one issue the the zero issue is like a a, a 16 page supplemental it it's it leads up to the events in the first issue can't remember if i sent that to you guys or not we kind of just got it completed a few weeks ago. Very cool. And uh, how about the uh, the the art team on this book? Uh, how did you go about uh, putting the team together? Uh, the the line art's been uh, is done by a guy named Juan Fletes, and I've worked with him on a number of other things. Um, uh, you guys remember because your your story's in it. Uh, Future Sci-Fi Tales number four. Uh, he did the cover to that book which coincidentally that cover is pretty much the biggest influence on the story here. I don't know if you guys remember the, uh, of the dinosaurs, the dinosaur, the spaceman and the uh, savage woman. So that that's, that's, 
probably the biggest uh, uh, piece that influenced this entire story is that cover. That's really great. That's that. I was just honored to be a part of that anthology in general, but especially that issue because the the cover is so pulpy and it's got that great, you know, intrigue that you kind of want out of sci-fi. And from what I can tell with Caspian Porter so far in the art, like you've shared on Instagram and what's on the Kickstarter, it seems to have that like pulpy feel to it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what I, I wanted in this book. I wanted it to to be a little modern, but I wanted it to feel like, you know, like those old EC comic books, you know, the space type type yeah. type settings, you know. Yeah, the stuff you find in like the 50 cent bins and stuff like that. Exactly. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Not that it means that like the quality's down, but like, you know, it's like, it's yeah, just, yeah. It, I mean, it's just that instant nostalgia um, in a good way, right? Like where it's like, it, yeah, there's kind of like a shorthand that you have of like selling the book when you sort of call upon those images. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty happy with how it turned out. Um, uh, Jonathan Wetmore, he's he's also another colorist I've worked with in the past, and he's really did a bang up job on on the colors on this. So really happy with how it turned out. That's really cool. So you said that the the cover to 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 uh, Tales of Future Sci Fi num number four was sort of the the inspiration. Um, the 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 image was was that the uh, the germ of the idea, or did you have some other like ideas in your head that you're like, hey, I can sort of mold this uh, with uh, this? But how did you sort of get started with Caspian Porter? Um, I've always wanted to do um, some kind of space epic story, and and it it really comes down to that cover and just looking at it for the longest time. I, I remember telling Juan when we were trying to get this cover drawn, I originally just wanted a spaceman encountering a dinosaur. And, you know, he, he, I remember his, his line was, you know, can I, can I put a savage woman in it? And I would always say, yes, you can. And, you know, it was from there, you know, and just my love for, for that, you know, old science fiction there. I, it just snowballed into this story. It just came right into it and came together for me. Nice. And did your uh, relationship or your working process evolve with uh, with is, is I'm sorry, is it, is it Juan, the, the, the artist? Yeah. 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 So like you guys had worked on in the past and, you know, um, so you sort of probably had a workflow um, on maybe some shorter stories. But as you guys were going for more long form storytelling, did, did, did anything change there? Um. I don't know if I'd say that it, we've always kind of meshed pretty well since we've started working day one. Um, he, you know, he interprets my scripts pretty well and I've haven't really had to, you know, do any corrections or whatnot, but we've just done really well together. Nice. That, that's always a, uh, a good thing for a writer is to, to sort of find that person who, um, who understands your writing and it's almost a, it's a real treat to sort of, see that page come back and it's either in my experience it's one of two things it's either almost spot on as what you saw in your mind's eye or it's so much better than right. what you yeah. what you could have imagined in your mind's eye so did you get a little bit of that when you get pages back from Juan oh yeah definitely I I mean that's always the case for you know 
everyone that I work with, because, you, you know, when you're writing this out, you know, you, you have a specific idea in mind. And I, I feel like sometimes I get so grounded to my work. And then I get, usually I get a little blown away when he says, well, you know, I, I took your nine panel page and I did it in four panels. And I said, oh, I didn't really think of it that way. <laughs> you know. that, that actually is a good, uh, I was trying to, like, uh, I was going to ask next about sort of started to step back, but I guess the concept for um, the cover with like the dinosaurs and the spaceship and the like cave person and everything there, was that commissioned by you to the artist or was that something that just purely came from the artist's mind and just fit perfectly with the image with, oh, the, the, with the anthology? The Oh, the cover. Yeah, that was my, my original ideas. I just, I, I wanted the, the spaceman coming head to head with, with the, the dinosaur. Uh, that was the original idea. Um, Juan kind of added in the, the, the spaceship element there. And, uh, and of course the, the woman. Did you send him any sort of references or like, I like this cover, like I would kind of like it to, to, to feel like this, or was it all sort of communicated through sort of um, descriptions that you put down on, on the page? I think I might have just sent him some random like 1950s uh, like space stuff. I, I honestly can't remember. It's been so long ago. I can't remember what I actually sent him. But uh, I think he nailed it with, with whatever mm -hmm. I did send him. Um, he did a great job with that. Nice. And uh, where, does, uh, where, it is, where does Juan live? Uh, he's uh, in Mexico. Uh, oh, okay. Yucatan, I believe. Okay, so probably, you know, uh, the U.S. sharing a border with Mexico, there's probably like a lot of sort of uh, references that, that he understands. Um, are, are there any, are there times where you've had to say, hey, like, this is sort of like an American idea and this is, this is what, what I'm going for? Um, I, I mean, I can give you, like, I, I have an example of something that, that I'm working on right now is... Uh, uh, I'm doing a story that um, is going to evolve. It's going to have some uh, aspects of uh, football, American football. And the guy who's drawing it lives in Turkey. And he was like, he's like, I don't know what a fumble is. He's like, I don't know what this is. So I just went in, I took like screen caps of Google images. And I'm like, this is, mm -hmm. this is what the, this thing is. So did you ever encounter anything like that? No, no, I honestly never really did. Um, no, like I said, I, I feel like he interpreted my, my, my descriptions and, and the story really well. Yeah, we didn't really run into anything like that. I mean, like uh, the, the robot, I guess I should take that a little back, but the robot in the story, uh, the, the character's name is CRB or Kirby. Um, we kind of went back and forth on that one a little while, but um, but we kind of nailed it with with where it is now. At now. But yeah. Nice. Uh, and uh, again, with your writing, do you, tend to be like a like a uh, very descriptive writer or are you sort of uh, light on the description and, and letting the the letting the artist uh, really work and, and fill in the stuff uh, I tend to be a little over descriptive to be honest um, I, I, I I most not that I'm trying to like take away all the creativity I, I just want to make my thoughts. Uh, I guess pretty well known and exactly how I, I want the scene to be. Um, but yeah, I, I, I tend to be a little over descriptive. Yeah. Do you, that, 
I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, please. No, 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 okay. I was just going to say then like, you know, um, then sort of like you, you kind of, you give it off to the artist and the artist just uh, interprets it. You know, do you get like thumbnails back right after like, you know, you get the script or is it just like, you know, you get the art once like, you know, you send the, you send it off and then you just get the art back. Uh, well, like with Juan, yeah, he did a pretty good job about sending some sketches before he actually okay. started the line work. So that that's really nice that he does that for me. That way we can make sure before he doesn't spend too much time on the line work. Awesome. And is his, do you know his process? Is he uh, traditional, digital, maybe a little bit of a mix of, of both? Uh, he's, he's, he's all digital. Okay. Um, and so that yeah, might help. Cool. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry, Matt. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, 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 it's fine. I was just going to say. This is just Zoom for you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, you please go ahead. Oh, I was just going to ask about like, you know, that his style, though, doesn't seem to be too. It doesn't feel too digital, though, too, which is pretty great. It's still got that like nice um, sort of like boxy uh, comic book style. That's pretty great. And I'm wondering if that sort of informs the tone of the story is, you know, like, you know, the, the person draw, you know, the, the, the person drawing it, because like, it, especially with the, what I've read of your stuff, like in, in future sci-fi tales and de-aged, you know, de-aged is a very, like, it's not a silly book, but it's sort of got a lighter tone to it. Mm -hmm. Then, um, then there's, there's like, there's some pretty dark, like very serious stuff in your future sci-fi books. And um, like one in specific, there's is that wonderful black and white one that you did in the in the issue that we had, where it was just you know the conversation between the two characters, and the the style was more realistic, but it was and it was very like you know the the, the tone of it was so much more serious. Um, does like the art style of like of the artist that you're working with does that normally inform the tone, whether it's going to be a little more fun or serious? Uh, yeah, I think in this case it did because he's, you know, he's got, you know, he's in some cases not too much detail to, um, you know, the line work. And, and yeah, I kind of feel like it made it feel more lighthearted and, you know, a little more comedic with this story. Yeah, he's also got some great expressions on the faces, which is just good acting, you can tell from yeah 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 i think he did pretty well with that um yeah how he interpreted especially how he interpret because i know in, in in my script is i i i specifically uh um had some you know there's some cases where i i i took screenshots of of yeah or saved images off the web with certain expressions or um, um body language and such like that and, and i think he nailed it pretty spot on with these so, so Drew, Drew, you've done a couple of, uh, you know, as you said earlier, a couple of uh, one shots and, and anthology stories. Um, and, and now you're turning your attention to to an ongoing series. Um, you, you said that you sort of have the, the first four issues sort of flushed out. Um, do you do you know like the the end point? Um, if you ever want to tie up the series um, that, that you want to take it to, or is it, is it open-ended at this point? Um, I know where I want to get to in, in about the fourth issue. And mm -hmm. that's, that's where I'm really excited to get to. And 
it's not going to be where you think it's going to go. And I think that's what excites me the most. Um, but to answer your question, I don't really know how I would cap off the story. I, I kind of want to take this out as long as I can go mm-hmm. and kind of just kind of just let it like kind of let it happen and, and kind of just work with this character and keep going forward with it. Awesome. And how are you handling? Uh, are you are you like, you know, a lot of times with uh, with a single issue, you, you want to tell a complete story, but then you want to either have some sort of, you know, dangling plot thread or maybe like a cliffhanger to, mm-hmm. to you know, keep the excitement for for issue two. So um, are, is there any part in your sort of outlining or your breakdowns where you go, OK, this is probably a good point for me to try to end issue two. And then this is sort of what leads us into three. Are you are you handling that with with your outline? Yeah. Yeah. I like for this, for this first issue, I, I knew how I wanted the cliffhanger to be. And I, that, that's kind of how I want every issue to be. I want every issue to have some sort of a cliffhanger. When I sat down to write this the first time, I already knew in my head how I wanted this to end. I even had the last line um, already in my head and on paper, um, what, what the one character is saying at the end of the story. So, and I already know how the, the second issue is going to end as well. So, so yeah, that, that's, that was my whole process going in with this is keep, keep these cliffhangers going. I want to keep the reader engaged and just you know, make them want that next issue here. Awesome. And sort of like, you know, the, the, the style of the book, as we've said, sort of reminds us of sort of those, those old school tales. And a lot of the times that was, that was how the book ended. But if you think of something like a, like a, like a saga from, from image, almost every one of those ends on this sort of last page, full page splash. It's like, Oh my God, I need to know what's going to happen next. So like, that's just, you know, uh, a tried and true sort of way to, to do, uh, you know, comic book storytelling. Right. Right. Yeah. It just, you know, keeps that reader, you know, got to hook them back in for the next issue. Yeah. So uh, I do have a question, a couple more questions on uh, sort of the, the process you have here. Um, you know, taking a, uh, a single issue of an ongoing story to Kickstarter, do you sort of have a, a schedule that you're, that you're looking at? Or are you trying to do like a, like a Kickstarter, you know, every quarter? Because, you know, I've talked to people in the past and a lot of, uh, a lot of folks have been like, uh, you know, it's, it's sort of like, 30 days to start getting everything together, 30 days to run the Kickstarter and almost like 30 days to fulfill the Kickstarter. So do you, do you have a schedule or are there, or, or are you sort of uh, trying to figure that out right now? Um, I've got a loose schedule. Um, so, so this book took, took quite a, quite a bit of time to, to get, to get done. The line art went pretty quick, you know, the coloring, you know, as with any book kind of is the, the longer of the process, but, I, you know, in my mind, I'd like to do two books a year, you know, like one at the beginning of the year, and then hopefully the second issue will have it ready, you know, later in the fall. So that's, that's kind of how I'm going to approach this. If we can manage to do a little more then then maybe we'll squeeze in a third, but, but right now that's, that's what's on my mind. Awesome. And hopefully sort of as you go forward, the momentum of having, you know, more issues will be something that you can sort of capitalize 
uh, as Kickstarters go, you know, hopefully everybody sees uh, number one, but if they don't, you know, in a few months down the line, you come out with two, you're able to say, Hey, uh, one and two is, is a package. So hopefully that that's something to help. Yeah. I've, I've seen a lot of people do that. You know, they'll have their first issue for their first campaign and then their second campaign will be like issues one and two and then one through three for the third campaign. So I, I've, that's on my mind as well. Yeah. Awesome. And did you learn a lot um, of sort of like the sort of the process, the file management, the, the, the formatting of pages, doing sort of the anthologies and, 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 the, and the, the, the one shots that you had done before? Because I think everybody, uh, whenever they first go to make their comics, one of the one things, and this is a, an experience that I, I've had, and I, I feel like I still have at this time is, you know, you, you make the thing and then you go to, to, to somebody to, to print it and they're like, hey, can, you know, this file size isn't right. And then you sort of like, you know, you have a back and forth with the team. So you, you sort of learned that kind of stuff uh, in the past, right? Yeah, I, I, yeah, my first, see, I think it was, like the first issue of future sci-fi tales. I think I, when I first turned in the first few pages, I had it wrong and I kind of, and just like you described, I had to go through that learning process. But, but now that I'm, when I'm dealing with, with artists and such, you know, I, you know, I, I clearly communicate what I need from them, but, you know, like I'm the guy, you know, I'm also doing the lettering. So, you know, I'm I'm the one that's formatting the pages to this the print specifications and and everything. So it's I'm the guy doing the getting it ready for print. So it you know I have everything that I need. Nice. And uh, one of the questions that Noah and I have for folks sometimes who handle the role of writer and letterer. Um, when you actually are taking that pass to to letter it. Um, that's giving you the opportunity to, to see the art on the page where before when you had sort of maybe wrote the script, it's, you know, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a Word document. It doesn't have that sequential art. Um, at that point, are you, uh, do you find yourself changing things a lot or realizing that, you know, um, in the script, I said this, but now that I see the art, the, you know, I don't need to, to say this because the art is showing that. Are you using that last sort of lettering pass as, as an edit as well? Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, I think it's, <laughs> I think it's honestly like the, the best final catch for, for your story because then, you know, if, you know, while I'm doing the lettering, I don't have to pass it off to somebody else and do all that back and forth work. You know, I can sit there and I can think about it. I can move, you know, the, the dialogue around if I need to, you know, sometimes there's those cases where like that dialogue just won't work in that panel. So you got to rework the sentence or the dialogue piece or caption. So yeah, absolutely. That's, I, lo I love that part of it so that I can make sure it's right. You know. And did you take any sort of uh, like online training or was it something that you just sort of looked at a lot of comics to, to figure out sort of how lettering works and, and, and doesn't work. Because another thing we talk about is sort of uh, 
with comics is the letterer is sort of the 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 unsung hero of, right. of comics like you don't you, you they're sort of like an umpire in, in a sports game like you only notice them when they when they do something wrong like uh, yeah. so so how did you how did you build up your your skills as a letterer um well i can tell you i didn't start off very well if if you go back to my, the the first story i did it just looks horrible but i it's really just like looking at how other people do it and i think i would like you know look at a batman comic and go huh i should i go try that and and i just kind of just did that back and forth until i started getting my own thing um blambot.com i think has some pretty good do's and don't sections there um so if if anybody really wants to learn lettering i, I really recommend going there and reading what uh what that author has to say um, yeah but that site's so you know um about like it's just incredibly valuable yeah i mean it's yeah. it's so detailed on these little things that you would never think of and you know like you know that using the crosshairs on the eyes in the middle of the sentence is a no-no and you know you wouldn't yeah. think of that that kind of thing you know yeah um so like Noah is when Noah and I work together, he he letters it, so he's also the artist. So this is this was weird because you know we're interviewing you, Drew, but Noah, do you sort of um, when you're doing that art, are you sort of at that point thinking about like I got to leave a little bit of space above the head of, of these characters to to fit word balloons in? Oh, this is going to be a long explanation. So, Drew, I would just hop off now, and, and Matt and I will take it. From <laughs> no, I want to hear it. Yeah, um, yeah. No, the uh, I do. I did try to think about that. I do try to think about like just the negative space, you know. And, and I try to think of it like, uh, you know, like if I was giving it to a letterer. So I'm trying to give them like multiple options of like, okay, you could put balloons here, you could put balloons there, you know, and, and it still flows. I don't know how well I did it, but I, I, that's what I try to do. That's just because that was just something I, I, I just learned when I started doing comics. And I, I read about just sort of that's something that you need to have. Um, and for me, though, the biggest challenge is because I just lettered. A, well, I lettered um, the reset last year. And um, which, you know, Kevin's art trying to find a font that matched Kevin's art was the hardest part. And then recently I lettered another comic for a friend and trying to find a font for his artwork. That's the hardest part for me. Is that, is that, is that the challenge for you too, Drew? I, w I was just going to ask you that I, you know, like when I'm lettering something that I've written, um, I feel like I do a pretty good job. I recently just lettered something for for a guy, and I just feel like I did the worst job ever. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you didn't, because your lettering is like it, it's just. I think the best part about lettering is just you know the the best lettering you don't notice is what Matt and I say, and I think what everybody says, right? Mm -hmm. So you do a good job on future sci-fi and and on and on and on de-aged to the point well, where I just didn't even realize it. Like it was just there, you know? Yeah. Um, so, but, so when you're, when you're drawing, uh, so all your panels on your page, are, are you, 
So it kind of goes back to the question about how you're planning out your letter, your where you're going to put the dialogue. Are you actually like drawing in like some rough dialogue boxes or captions here and there on the page while you're kind of doing that initial sketch or? Yeah, I did that on Dino Thrashers this time around to see if it would help. And it really didn't for me. Really? Um, yeah, like because I don't think I've gotten it down yet as far as like how many you know, like, I think it's like, I don't think I've got putting in, like, put in my full, like, you know, thousand hours of lettering yet. Um, I've lettered a lot, but not enough, I think, to the place where I know exactly how many words can fit in what size balloon. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So you really, like, I, I don't think I have that instinct yet to be like, okay, this is the bit of dialogue, and this is how many words are going to fit in there. You know, that kind of thing, like yeah. in the balloon that'll fit in this space. I still seem to like, uh, like it's either like, it's like, it's either too much or too little, basically. Yeah. Um, have you ever considered... That's a nice challenge, though. Have, have you ever considered um, hand, doing doing that all by hand? The the dialogue or, or any of the, uh, the, 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 the words or anything like that? Yeah, I have. I, I think because of... Dave Gibbons, you know, um, he's just my, he's probably my favorite artist, mainly because of Watchmen, but, you know, when you read that book or anything that he's done, because then he's, he's continued with lettering himself, mm -hmm. um, even nowadays, but not nowadays he does it digitally, but, you know, he uses his font. And I think I would do something like that someday where I create my own font. Um, uh, Drew, um, you also wear the the hat as a uh, as a publisher um, as well. Um, you know, you 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 bring in folks to to do short stories with uh, the 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 sci-fi anthology, but also recently you you did a uh, you did a one shot uh, with Wallbreakers, um, and I think if I remember correctly, when we talked to to Jorge, that sort of like, um, came out of the the, the sci-fi anthology as well. Is that correct? Sorry, I think you cut out there for a second. Can you repeat that? Okay, yeah. Um, so you, Drew, you also sort of wear a hat as a uh, as a publisher as well. Um, you know, and you, you've done short stories. You, you've you've taken submissions for for folks to do the uh, the stories in the anthology. But you also um, recently you you did a story. Uh, wall breakers um, and if I remember correctly that sort of came out of the the anthology as well when we talked to, to Jorge um, so so what was what was the process of uh, you know bringing Jorge in to do to do wall breakers yeah uh, Jorge had actually submitted one of his stories on one of my submissions call it was it was a while back and um we, we kind of went back and forth for the longest time. And then I kind of like fell in love with the story and realized it really should be its own standalone book. It, it shouldn't be in an anthology. And, you know, on top of it being at the time, it was 20 plus pages. But that's that's kind of how that morphed into it. And then I think he, he did a couple extra pages and then we waited a little while before we released it. And uh, but but that was kind of the process. It was just. I felt like it was too good to go in and in into a book that had such other smaller stories. So that that was that. 
so did he come to you with uh with a longer form story and and add the pages or was it uh was it was a shorter story that he was trying to to fit into the anthology um i think he sent like the first 20 pages to me as his initial submission and then later he added the other pages and you guys uh did you guys release that as a a digital book uh, only yeah right now it's only digital yeah yeah uh and and i'm guessing maybe from the, that answer that uh if things sort of progress in the in the in the future we might see that in print i think so yeah i we we yeah there wasn't really too much going on for print so we we couldn't decide on how we really wanted the the book to be I mean, we, we had a lot of conversations on, you know, the, what kind of paper do we want? What kind of co- cover should it be? I think we were getting print samples from like all these different printing companies and I, it, it just didn't happen. And we just uh, kind of just stuck with digital and that's, that's kind of the way we moved forward. And that was, you know, that was during 2020 that sort of the, the, the COVID-19 sort of state of the the world have any factor into that decision because that allowed you to sort of you guys can make this thing and then sort of push it out to everybody very quickly very easily in their homes at at the push of the button and it's you know on their phone it's on their on their tablet for for their convenience yeah exactly you know and it's not that we won't ever do a print i i think i think it's for that particular book it's just finding the right I think it's about about the experience with that book and the way that the artwork is and how the story is told. And I think Jorge really wants that book to be perfect. I think that's the best way you could say it. And I I, I don't know when we'll get there, but I'm pretty sure, you know, we'll, we'll get we'll get that book in print someday. Nice. Yeah, uh, I I know that Noah enjoyed it as as much as I did. It was sort of, you know, all every cool thing that you can think of that should, you know, be in a comic book you know monsters mm-hmm. car chases you know gore scares you know just yeah. just excitement from you know there's you know a lull at the beginning to sort of yeah get us into the story and then it's just a breakneck pace throughout the throughout the book it's a lot of fun to read yeah, yeah. That, that that's why i liked it too is like i like these books that just you know you turn the page and it just keeps you moving fast and and that story just goes you know from from the like page two or three and it's just it's off to the running there and i and i like that i like his his uh hand lettering to that as well i mean because I'm, I'm so used to to doing the digital lettering it was kind of refreshing to see someone you know do that by hand yeah when i got cut off i, I was gonna say that that's just purely attractive to me as an artist from just a craft standpoint you know that yeah. that sort of that has to be rewarding in and of itself to do everything by hand and when we talked to to jorge that totally came through that that was just like one of the most rewarding experiences for him to do all of that physically yeah i was gonna ask you has that ever appealed to you to to, to create your own font for lettering yeah i i'm trying to get there i will get there i i so yeah it's funny that you bring that up because i've been trying to figure out how i want to do it and what kind of software i want to get and and all this kind of stuff so i will get there someday i believe in you and i'll be there when you do (laughs) 
Thank you. So in Caspian, do you do things like uh, you probably have a chance to sort of experiment with the lettering, you know, maybe like the 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 shape of the robot's balloon might be different than when like, uh, you know, a living organism is, is, is speaking. Do you, do you do things like that? Yeah, yeah. And actually, in the first issue, the, the robot does have a bit of a different word balloon. It's more of a square than an oval. Um, yeah, just trying to go something less organic on that character. Um, yeah, there's a lot of playing around. I, mean, I think in this book, I I tried about 20 different fonts, it seems like, just trying to land on the one that I wanted. But yeah. Awesome. And how many, uh, how many pages is... Uh is this book because you know that you being an, uh, an independent you're not sort of tied to that 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 marvel dc 20 22 pages uh how many pages is, is this comic yeah the the first issue is 24 pages um the zero issue is kind of a shorter it's it's just 16 pages so two books 40 pages total Nice. And uh, do you ever sort of when you're doing the 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 outlining of the book, um, now that you're able to tell a little bit longer, I know you've done, um, you know, one shots in the past Did you play around with like uh, page turns and, and where you wanted to maybe, I don't know if you did, did you do any uh, single page splashes, double page splashes in, in this book? Uh, I saved the, the splash pages for the beginning to, mm -hmm. to kind of mostly to showcase that the, the ship that the character is is on the spaceship and then I saved it for the last that was that was on purpose I, I I didn't feel a need to put anything in between I, I I know I wanted something on the first and I I know I wanted to end that way as well no, I mean, if you think like uh, you know I brought up saga in the past but you know that that single page uh, sort of, splash at the end sort of oh my god look at that thing that happened what's going to happen next and with uh with a with a book with a spaceship you know that that single page showing the spaceship that's that's the equivalent or the the the, the comics take of that 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 opening shot and uh, a new hope where the the spaceship sort of comes right. over our head so <laughs> i mean that's the that's the closest thing we can do with uh with a static image on a, on a page so yeah uh, yeah Exactly. Yeah. I think that was exactly what was running through my head was that that first uh, uh, Star Destroyer coming in. But yeah. Hey, you, you can't go you can't go wrong with, uh, you know, borrowing, uh, borrowing from Star Wars if you're going to do a do a sci fi thing. Right. <laughs> you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So, you know, as we're talking right now, the this Kickstarter is is moving along pretty nicely. You're at uh, you're at seventy five percent, and you you you're I think you maybe you're you're in your first week, so you have maybe about two three weeks of, of funding to still go, right? Yep, I got uh, twenty three more days, and actually, as of a few minutes ago, it's eighty percent funded now. So, yeah, we're cruising along here. Very yeah. funny. So that was going to lead into a question that I ask people uh, that are uh, running a Kickstarter when they come in here. And it sounds like by that answer, uh, this might be the case with you. Uh, how often are you hitting that refresh button to see the uh, what the funding goal is at? I have a, a separate monitor next to my work <laughs> PC. I keep it up all day 
and it's on an auto refresh like every few minutes. <laughs> like wow. I don't know, you you guys have run your campaigns, but are are you like nervous? You know, you know, you you set your goal, right? Yeah. So are are you are you nerve are you super nervous up until you hit that goal and then you're just like, oh okay. I, I was I I was nervous for for Dino Thrashers because we went with a little bit higher of a uh, a funding goal than some of the things that I had done in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I've done some things on my own, and I feel like I kind of know like where I can as much interest as I can generate. But I, I felt like I had to to generate more interest for for Dino Thrashers, and we also did the silly thing. And we've all sort of agreed to, as a team, we're not going to do this again is we did the 60 day, uh, campaign. And, uh, that was, that was a, uh, that was a, uh, a bit of a, uh, mental, uh, trial for us to sort of, you know, for 60 days, try to generate new images, new sort of angles to sort of present our Kickstarter. So we're, we'll never do another 60 day Kickstarter again. It, is that just because the duration and, and every day having to to be the marketing guy type thing is, is that kind of the reason? Yeah, I think so. Um, and uh, you know, I've done thirty day campaigns in the past, and this is the first sixty day campaign. Mm-hmm. But you know, uh, it was still true with this. It's you know, you have an initial rush. Uh, you know, close friends, family members. You mm-hmm. know you know, people that you sort of have in your circle of like comic book creators, you know, you've backed them um, mm-hmm. or you've backed their stuff. They see your stuff come out, they back you. So you have that, you sort of have that rush of uh, initial stuff. You know, the first two, three days, it's, 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 you know, it's a, it's just a thrill. You, you're seeing that number come up. Then you get into the middle and yep. it's like <laughs> one to two, yep. maybe zero. And you're like, does anybody know what's going on? So I think all we did for us is we just sort of expend, you know, extended that period of misery in the middle because it was, it was just rush at the beginning, slow in the middle, mm-hmm. rush at the end. So yeah. I, I, I think, I think that, you know, it, it, it's it's probably, you know, it's human nature. It's excitement it's for stuff at the beginning. And then there's people who sort of, you know, hit that uh, remind me in the last 48 hours. Mm-hmm. And so you get that rush. So I think by doing the longer one, we just sort of extended our, our, yeah. our worry. So, um, but. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is my second campaign. My, my first one, I, I did, you know, a little something smaller. I noticed that too, you know, I'm still a little new to this and trying to figure it out and figure out the best way I could do my rewards and such. But, you know, I did notice day one and two, the strongest, and then it's just, you know, the next 25 days of, oh my God, is this going to make it? And then at the end, it's, it's, it's another explosion of, of backers. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like, um, unless, you know, you're, uh, Keanu Reeves or, or, or Scott Snyder and you're mm-hmm. coming to, to Kickstarter, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be that initial rush that maybe gets you to that uh, 30, 40, 50%. And then you're going to, you're going to struggle for a while. You're going to yeah. hit that sort of 80, 85%. You're going to stick there for a while. And then as you get to the end, everybody that's sort of been lurking or, or people that have been lurking and 
And now they're now they're really kind of even more invested because they, they they see that they're in the final days and the thing is so close. You get you get that that rush. So yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah. that's an experience for a lot of us. Do do you get the impression that that people are are lurking more to see that the the campaign meets its goal and then oh okay, it met its goal. Now I'll fund this. Do you get do you get that kind of impression from people or do you hear anything like that? Um, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, you know, there, there are probably a certain amount of people who wait to, 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 to back once it's, once it's funded and they know it's going to be a thing. And then there's other folks that, uh, uh, might've been following along, haven't sort of committed just yet, but then they see how close it's close it is. And then they just want to be, you know, uh, you know, get the satisfaction satisfaction of you know moving it closer or even being that person that sort of moves it uh over the top to that 100 percent funding goal so i, I think yeah. it's a little bit of both yeah yeah cool so are you doing um are you doing anything like uh are you offering any of your sort of the, your back catalog you know digitally uh in 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 print uh, are you are you doing anything like that for this kickstarter um, yeah, a, a little bit. I, I was trying to keep a little bit of out of it, but you know, it's, it's hard to resist. Um, I got a, I have a digital tier where I, I have a couple of the books from my last campaign in here. Um, and then, uh, on my last campaign, I, I put together a kind of just like a special anthology, just of my own short mm -hmm. stories that I've done over the years. Um, the last campaign, I just offered that as as a stretch goal. In this this campaign, I'm uh, I'm doing it as one of the reward tiers, but in print this time. Yeah. Um, but as as far as anything else, that I, I kind of kept it a little limited this go round. But yeah. yeah, I think I think it's a good idea to sort of build, uh, you know, in increments. Sort of, you know, you said earlier you did a thing that's a little bit smaller, and this is the first time you're you know, you, you, you're taking sort of a, a single issue in an ongoing series. So I, I think sort of you got a, a good plan to sort of, you know, yeah. take things on slowly. Yeah. Um, so, so, well, let me ask you this. Do you, you, I think you got, you guys offered a back catalog. Is, is this kind of like another nicer way to, you know, as a publisher, you'll, you'll obviously have the comics. Is it, is it a, is it a good idea to throw in, those other books as, as one, a way to, um, you know, sell your other comics, but also engage the reader with other content? Yeah, so I've done things in the past where I have done the back catalog as sort of a, a catch-up tier, mm -hmm. um, and I've done, I've done that in the, uh, the past as a print, uh, and a digital catch-up tier, but on Dino Thrashers, we were we were doing so many different things that we hadn't done in the past. We, uh, you know, we had some of uh, Noah's original art as as a tier. Mm. Um, we had uh, Noah was Noah was doing sketch cards, sketches. Um, I didn't want to uh, surprise myself when I went to the to the post office, and now the thing that I thought that I could send for you know, $2.80, I had weighted down with, you know, six more single issues 
Um, mm. So we did the the ketchup tier for this is only uh, a digital tier. Okay. Um, so that was just something that um, was easy for us to produce. Um, you know, if somebody came in and did that, it really helped out the product project. But mm. it was stuff that we all had. Uh, you know, we could just create a uh, you know a Dropbox link and and send that out to to folks. So it was just something uh, that that we we put together that was really easy to to deliver on hopefully generate a little bit of funds but the, right. at the end of yeah. the day we you know we weren't it wasn't something that we had to, to stuff in, into an envelope and send yeah yeah that's a good idea yeah so uh i think uh i think we've we've covered a lot of stuff here uh i want to see if noah has any uh final questions before we finish up uh n- no final questions um I, uh, yeah, I'm just really excited to, to get these books. I, I, I pre-ordered, I, I ordered, uh, uh, at least I backed it on the tier where I get all three covers and, and issue zero. So I'm really excited to get all of those. Um, cause each cover is so unique and so cool in their own way. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just excited to get the book. Cool. Appreciate that. Noah. thanks. So, Drew, it sounds like, you know, your heart is in uh, sci-fi stories, but uh, before we finish up, uh, and it seems like you're going to be in the world of Caspian Porter for quite some time, yeah. uh, are, are there are there any other sort of uh, genres that you want to tell stories in, or is, is, is sci-fi like your thing? Um, I'm, I've kind of been dabbling in horror. Um, my last campaign, I did this little uh kind of a monster um story it was it was a like a short 12 pager and i liked it and i i could see myself going a little more horror uh, maybe later this year if i get some time but um that that's kind of my thing right there sci-fi i enjoy it um We'll d- dabble into some horror. I'm not really into the superhero thing yet. Mm-hmm. Not saying I won't ever do it. I just I just don't have the idea for it yet. But uh, yeah, that's where I'm at. Awesome. So, uh, Drew, as we finish up, um, let everybody know where they can find you on social media and uh, give us that uh, elevator pitch for Caspian Porter uh, one more time. Sure. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. It's just uh, at Snowy Works. Uh, Twitter is at Lenhart Drew. Uh, my website's snowyworks.com. You can find it on Kickstarter. Just search for Caspian Porter. Uh, so again, Caspian Porter is just a new sci-fi adventure series of a uh, bumbling idiot Han Solo type character as he gets thrown into these crazy situations. Um, that's about it. Awesome. Well, uh, I'm looking forward uh, to this book and 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 more uh, more issues uh, going forward. Um, maybe you know after this Kickstarter's over, when uh, you have plans for two, uh, we can check in again and, and and see how things are going. Yeah, definitely sounds good. Awesome. So uh, we're going to have links to all of Drew's social media in the show notes for this episode with also a link to his website and the Kickstarter page to make it as easy as possible for, for folks to back the Kickstarter, check out the Instagram, see all the art that's going up there. Um, 
So I'd like to thank everybody for listening. If you could give us a rating and review on the podcasting service you use, we really appreciate it. If you want to follow our podcast, we're on Twitter at ConstructComPod. Instagram is Constructing Comics Pod. Facebook is Constructing Comics. And also, um, please check out Paranormal Hitman. Um, it's from Behemoth Comics. It's in previews now. Um, I have uh, short stories in issues two, three, and four, and I am editing uh, all four issues of, of that series. So if you could check that out, I'd really appreciate it. But I want to thank everybody for, for listening. Please be safe, be nice, and go out there and make some comics. Thank you.